Kia ora. welcome to another episode of Skeezy D's. Um, today, I'm going to be doing like, I'm going to be laying down a little, a little, uh, a little deep lore on myself and Yankee Boy. Um, talking about armchair journalists. So, way back in the day, um, I think I would have been probably year 13, um, Skeezy D's is doing some research for history. And I come across the Armchair General Forums. Now, these forums are about history. It's related to this magazine. Um, I'm not... I never got the magazine. I don't think you could get it in New Zealand. I think it was like an American subscription service. But the forums were related to the magazine. There was this tiny section in the forums for discussing the magazine, which basically no one went on to. And then there was this huge spread of all these different historical eras, mostly focused on sort of an American conception of history. So there was kind of like a classical section. There was a medieval section. Um, and then there was like an American Revolutionary War section, American Civil War section, uh, World War One section, World War Two section, no, Modern Wars, I think it was rolled up under, with all these different subheadings. Um, I found it pretty helpful for parts of my history research, going through, sort of learning bits and bobs from a very uh, American perspective. There were some interesting discussions being had in the politics section of that website, which was re renowned by all as a bit of a fucking cesspit. Um, it had one of those really fun things that a lot of um, forums at the time had, which was a rep system. So every single time every single post you could interact with it to give it a reputation now i think you had a limited supply you couldn't just give reputation out willy-nilly you sort of had like a limited supply of rep to give out and there were like different ranks for how much rep you had um i think they based them on military ranks because of course they fucking did um so i think if you had like 50 rep points you were a private you got up to a hundred you became a corporal and so on and so forth um so there's like a little bit of dick measuring around that kind of thing um but yeah so yeah i encountered this and found it pretty interesting but the bit that i found most interesting was the alternate history section and this is where people spitballed about alternate history scenarios and there were some fun fucking threads in that alternate history section. Um, I remember there was one extended thread, complete with, like, they made videos in a flight simulator um, to sort of, like, accompany their fanfiction. They had, like, a fanfiction about a war between the USSR and um, 
the United States immediately after World War II um, that they would post about. And they were sort of explicitly posting about it as a fan fiction, but people engaged with it as if it was like serious fact. And so there were lots of fun conversations there. One of the longest threads um, was um, about Operation Sea Lion, which was the proposed invasion of the United Kingdom. Now, the Operation Sea Lion thread spawned a game. People played a game where they took on roles either of the people invading Britain or the people defending it, um, which unceremoniously ended with the Germans getting wiped. Um, but yeah, like all these different things sort of spawned out of it. There was a guy who was writing a book based on his idea that Operation Sea Lion was possible, and a lot of people calling him an idiot, basically. It was lots of fun. Like, you know, everyone really enjoyed dunking on this guy, and he'd, he'd talk about, like, he'd cite a battle report where some minesweepers managed to, but German minesweepers managed to scare off a British destroyer and extrapolated that into the German Navy being able to hold off the, the Royal Navy, um, which was a lot of fun to sort of, like, read those arguments. But... The real juice, the real fucking, like, the slam dunk, the fucking, the fucking, the sweaty folds of it all, um, was a thread called Alternate World War One colon, USA sides with Germany. And now, this started out as a speculative thread. A poster called Exorcist, who for the longest time his avatar was um, a Che Guevara style poster, but the, the Che was all a skeleton, and there was something about communism bad, very fun, um, was the one posing the question. Um, now Exorcist is a prepper, um, Yankee Boys talked about how he's probably a prepper, he is a prepper, he lives in Oregon, in the mountains. Um, and is largely um, cut off from society. Um, lovely man, I, I'm sure. He, he wrote a novel. He sent me his novel. Um, ask me if you want to see his novel. It's, I don't know, it's like not the best thing I've ever read, but like, fuck, the guy finished it. So like, there's something. It's an interesting sort of alternate historical drama. Um, anyway. Um... Yeah, so he was posing the question, and there was like, sort of like lots of discussion, and it really founded, because it's difficult to say. Like, everyone kind of agrees, yeah, the United States joining the side of Germany would definitely make for um, a much harder war for like the likes of the UK and France. But it doesn't necessarily means that, mean that Germany wins, or Germany wins immediately. There's also the matter of, like, how does that war start? What happens when it starts? And this conversation developed until the point Exorcist decided, well, why don't we run a naval war game? And so players signed up. Now, I forget the full composition, but I was the 
Royal Navy player. Michael signed up as the player for France. We also had a player, Crisis, who signed up to be sort of a sub-admiral for the British. And that was basically, that was basically our side, because, you know, France, Britain, we were, um, yeah, we were not, we did not have many forces. And then there was the American side, all-American side, which was Super 6-4, TAC Covert 4, no relation, um, and there was one other, it could have been Distaff initially, or it could have been another player. Um, they didn't make much of an impact on me. Well, because I'll kind of explain how things went. Now, the idea was most of the Royal Navy had to stay behind in the United Kingdom to keep the America, the, America, the German ships under their thumb. So I was given a small task force, and essentially my job was to keep the lines of communication between Canada and the United Kingdom alive. We had kind of had a couple of ways to do that, and in discussion with um, Yankee Boy, who I might have doxed again, um, double dox you bro, um, as France. So, yeah, just going to slowly reveal more details about Yankee Boy until um, his his full life is revealed and people can mail him bombs or something. So, so anyway, we decided that we would send half our forces to Canada, half our forces to the Caribbean. Now, I probably wouldn't have been allowed to do this, but what I should have done is I should have um, abandoned Canada. Unfortunately, um, we could have won in the Caribbean, and that would have given us a decisive advantage. Um, instead, we took a gamble and we split. So, um, Comrade Ogilvy sent their forces into the Caribbean, and they decided to go for Martinique, um, or Guadeloupe. Was it Guadeloupe or Martinique? I think it was Martinique. Um, because the Americans were launching a naval invasion there. Now, we had some early success in the Caribbean. I sent a token force there. I basically had some old battleships. I sent them there under crisis, and they were met with some level of success basically fucking around with the Americans. Crisis became known as a bit of a pirate. Um, unfortunately, the French ships going for Martinique were not successful. I think they sank, unfortunately. Um, funnily enough, there was a, a steam-powered submarine called the Gustave Zvied, um, which was heinously successful was basically like the redeeming feature of the French Navy. Um, became a little bit of a meme. So that was fun. My initial confrontation with the Americans wasn't 100% successful. So, yeah, we had, we had a naval duel that didn't... It wasn't decisive. It kind of went both ways. And 
the big moment, the one that worked for me, the one that worked out for me is I basically had a plan for a sneak attack on the American forces. And what I did is I had this one ship that was extremely fast. And I got that ship to sail towards the Americans, firing its guns as fast as it could to distract them. Um, and while that happened, I had other ships operating without firing the guns, being very silent, very sneaky, sort of um, sail up and deploy torpedoes at the gun flashes they were spotting, which worked out quite well. Um, I think I sank a ship or something. We had to regroup because my basically my initial force got blockaded and I had to do that sneak attack to break the blockade. Um, we regrouped, I got some more ships, and we went on the offensive. Now, part of what I did was a bit sleazy. I attacked civilian targets. Um, I did so to try and spread the American forces. I think it did, but it also caused a little bit of uproar globally. Um, and we ended up having this rather large confrontation at sea, which didn't go in our favor. Um, I basically was trying to be too smart. Um, and what... Okay. My plan would have worked if I had specified that commanders were not to radio each other. Unfortunately, I did not specify, so they spent the whole time radioing each other, giving away their position. Um, so that was unfortunate. Um, then at this point, like a lot of people were paying attention to the game, and we had several more players join in the Pacific Theatre. And so there were two Japanese players, the player who represented the Japanese home fleet, Craven, and the player who represented the Japanese sailing fleet. Forget what fucking name they had. Um, then we had a player who represented the Germans in the Pacific, whose name I also forget. And a player who represented the British in the Pacific, um, who was fucking Chris, Cara Chris was the name. Now, <laughs> the Pacific should have been our redemption, but the player who was in charge of the Japanese home fleet lived up to their name and was far too craven um, to engage the Americans in open battle. If they had sailed, <coughs> there is a very real chance that we could have engaged and defeated the German and American forces on the Pacific. But they were never, they were never, they never fully went for it. The Japanese forces were always a bit restrained, which is a shame, because it gave the Americans a great deal of freedom to operate um, in the Atlantic. Um, speaking of the Atlantic, eventually we abandoned the northern strategy. It wasn't working, and we sent our most modern ships into the Caribbean for one final attempt. We basically had an inconclusive battle where we needed an overwhelming um, victory. Combined with a loss, um, in the North Sea against the Germans on the home fleet. The 
the British had to surrender. No, British and French had to surrender. And then we sort of gamed out uh, after the war. Um, essentially, the way we played it, there wasn't too many punitive measures against the British. Um, they basically had like a gentleman's handshake with the Germans and the Americans. The French lost out bad. Basically, the French became everyone's bottom bitch. Um, which was quite unfair to Ogilvy. Um, but just kind of how the things worked out. We, we essentially gamed it out that the French ended up having the communist revolution that the Russians would have would have had and interestingly in this timeline because the war ends so early um, we ruled that the Russians managed to keep a lid on revolution for a little bit longer um, so you have this interesting timeline where um, the Japanese basically unchanged the Russians are still Tsarist the French are communist the British have this like huge stain on their honour and part of what had happened is they'd sort of integrated India a little bit more into the empire out of desperation um, to mobilise more soldiers and mobilise more industry. So there's this weird kind of greater integration of India into the empire. It wasn't, it was, there was more investment going into India. Um, and yeah, we kind of co-created this alternate timeline which was pretty interesting I guess um, so that was all those memes now one of the interesting things that span off from this is there was sort of like a spate of these play-by-post war games so the World War One war game was played entirely through private messages and posts in the public thread so posts in the public thread was mostly boasting and propaganda um, in private messages, we would message the guy running the game being like, we're doing this, um, and all that kind of thing. Um, but there was sort of like a spree of them set up. So I ran two of them, and I'm still pretty proud of these games, and I wish I had a platform where I could run a game similar to them again. It was really interesting, the sort of week-by-week -week pace of these games. Um, one of them was the sci-fi war game, which was, I basically did a play-by-post Stellaris. Um, the players started with three faster-than-light capable ships, two of them scout ships, one of them colony ships, and then we played out the years by year, and everyone was taking on, like, roles in the government. Um, now, we, there ended up being a bit of a player revolt, and... The sci-fi war game so i was running it there was like a war with um, these aliens they called the zetans um who who were basically a, a genocidal hive mind um now yeah but most of the players were pretty on board for like a collaborative thing and some of them were interested in some player versus player stuff namely Comrade Ogilvy, um, and so I allowed Comrade Ogilvy to privately start siphoning off resources and developing um, his own empire, which he he basically was 
he was posting provocateur stuff in the main chat while building up his own resources and then sort of like started a civil war um this caused a player revolt basically um because most of the people who signed up didn't actually want to do player versus player stuff which you know i should have really checked on before going there were some who were super keen on it and like fucking honestly the like the plot line was pretty good like the the story of it was really fucking interesting because basically it blindsided everyone except for tech covert four who was like there was basically a point where he private messaged me and he was like I know Comrade Ogilvy's up to something, but I can't prove it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump my fleet into the system where his planets are, and I'm going to glass them. He's too much of a threat. Like, and fuck, like, I, I was doing raccoon hands um, fucking that entire night. And yeah, you know, his fleet jumps in and just fucking glasses um, Attica, the planet was called. Um... In response, um, a, a secret warship that Ogilvy had been preparing jumps into um, jumps into the solar system and launches an attack on Earth and Mars. So Mars had been getting terraformed, ready to um, ready to sort of for human life, and so there was actually quite a population on Mars. Um, the ship that Ogilvy brings into the solar system like one shots Mars it's got like this powerful cannon that requires it to like power itself down for five minutes after every firing or I think it was longer than that and yeah it just fucking no scopes Mars um like shoots out the core as retribution for Attica <laughs> um and then there's sort of, like, the whole Attican thing, the, the, where the split was, was the Atticans believed in basically extreme gene modification to solve every problem. Um, which, and cloning, which the core government didn't fully agree with, and that's why there was the split. Um, and so, like, in the space stations around Earth, these, like, shuttles dock, and there's, like, all these Marines are getting ready to, like, you know, fight other Marines or something. But then, like, these fucking, like, adapted-for-space xenomorphs just, like, burst through the walls and start mulching everyone. Um, real horror story stuff. But sadly, they weren't... Like, the Atticans didn't have the resources to really bring it home. Um, but there was a player revolt, and they basically re refused to keep playing. Um, which was kind of a shame, because people had been having a grand time. I took a step back from running the sci-fi war game and Caracris took over it was really interesting he brought it back to a collaborative thing and he was really into like the science of sci-fi and was doing like fucking calculations like so for Attica for example he calculated precisely the like the sheer tonnage of radioactive absorption material you would need to create make the planet livable again he was calculating like the densities and shit of planets and whatever um turns out he was like a terminally ill um oldish man um 
who wasn't working anymore and his full-time thing was basically running this game that I'd started and then abandoned. Um, by the time he died, I think I had about 20 regular players. Um, really cool, and it was like kind of cool to see how this world, this narrative and world that I'd created got carried on by all the different players. Um, I actually had a lot of fun, and this is probably the, the like, the nucleus of my, um, bureaucracy love. Um, there was a time where, like, I was running a planetary system in this game, um, New Byzantium, which was kind of where all the survivors of Mars had gone, um, where... And then there was another one I was rivals with who was running the survivors of Attica. Um, and basically we had like, um, the government was talking about how they needed a, um, like a ground invasion force. And so I ended up in like a creative bureaucratic war putting out, um, technologies for tender. And it was really interesting. So the guy who was in charge of the other things was Super 6-4. So once again, my arch nemesis. And basically we both were putting out these ideas of like what our, um, our systems for um, conducting ground war were. And so I had this like integrated um, space to ground system composing of ships I called galleys, which would drop drop pods. And then from the drop pods, these like nanobot assisted soldiers would go forth and fight the super 6-4 basically just did like standard american combat doctrine i don't know it was very boring it wasn't very sci-fi um sadly my vision was you know too um advanced they dropped the galley system but they did accept my basically i i, I envisaged these like hovercrafts that had nanobot skirts so you know like the skirt in the hovercraft so they had nanobot skirts they could go over rough terrain um because the nanobots would form like a seal with the ground um so that ended up becoming the big export i guess of new byzantium um so yeah that was like a really interesting thing the other thing that i did was um Kunzudamaru, um or twilight of the kings um so there were like I guess two distinct phases of this one and it never really got off the ground it had great promise it never really got off the ground the first thing i did was basically i just ran a bunch of narrative scenarios and it was like battles between two groups of forces um the first one oh, fuck I, I i've honestly forgotten the first one um i think it was just a field battle between two forces the second one was like a siege um and that one was kind of cool i had like one of them hamburg had like a um they had this force called the golden band which was like their most elite soldiers um and they managed to like hold off a, a superior force and comrade ogilvy and these games played the role of wolfgang Saxfeld. um who was like a, he was basically a thief, a bandit, he was like the bandit king, and would essentially, whoever was the highest bidder would gain his services. Um, Wolfgang 
had a network of sex workers that would gather information, um, a small band of archers that could be deployed in combat. Um, yeah, mostly his, his role was like providing information with like, you know, a little bit of um, juice on top of it. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, the best one though, the one that I remember mostly, so my, my job was like adjudicating, but the way I did it is I would post it as if it was the writings of a scribe. And I'm actually quite lucky because my fucking deviant art still has the transcripts from these battles. Um, because the spoilers but the forums got shut down um so you can't actually read any of this stuff now it's all memories um the best one was uh, an invasion from france and so everyone had to work together to fight off the french and i assigned them all forces and i offered them a bunch of uh, mercenaries to hire and sort of set the scene it was like a battle with a hill on it and so you know um, you know, there was like trees to one side, so like interesting tactical options. Um, and yeah, they fought it out for three days and eventually won. But there was there was some cool fucking storylines. There was like this little, there was a a squire who was sort of like the the scion of a um, of one of the players, and the. The squire ended up dying, but the player worked to, like, get their revenge. Um, like, people were generally really good at sort of providing narrative uh, hooks for me to develop. I think a lot of my ability to be so responsive in Dungeons & Dragons comes from the role-playing I did on these servers. Um, so, yeah, that was, like generally pretty cool that was generally pretty cool I quite like that last one the last one I remember running and I ran like several others we did like we did like a a follow-up oceanic war just like a follow-up to that World War One war game um, but one of the other ones is we ran a firefly RPG play-by-post which worked out pretty well overall um it had like several stages um but yeah now the um now the forums are dead i only really keep in contact with um tech covert from it and even then contact is like a little bit Of an overstatement we chat every now and then um, definitely very formative for my um, my life as a as a teacher as a history teacher I definitely because I, I kind of want to try and recreate that experience of playing one of these historical games for other people mega games is the closest I've gotten but I still have never really done it because fuck man best game i ever played hands down like so good 
Um, I'll leave it there.